This isn't about you, Shug. <laughs> Frodo's like looking like a Sarah McLaughlin commercial, staring out the door. Oh. <laughs> I had to lock him in because there is um, some kind of critter that has created a nest somewhere in the yard. And one thing about Frodo is he is a digger. He's going to dig. And I don't have time today to give him a bath. So he's he's preemptively in timeout. I bought one of those mud busters. I haven't had to use it yet. What's that? It's like a plastic cup that has this silicone thing with a bunch of nubbins on it. So when your dog's paws get muddy, you just kind of put it in there and it like scrapes all of the mud out of out of their paws. Cool. My dad said it worked great for their dog. The other day, Ellie came in and just between every one of our fingers was like a giant clump of grass and mud. Oh my God. Okay, tell me how it goes if your dogs revolt. Because uh, Fred is very particular about his little toes. <laughs> I think Ellie will be okay. I won't try it on Shug. He's very particular about his feet, given that it only has three. He's like, don't touch them. <laughs> I have to take some responsibility here because Frodo, you, he's like a very clean dog. He hates being dirty. But to be clean, he needs the human who has opposable thumbs to make grooming appointments for him at regular intervals, which I do not do. So right now his paws look like little Grinch feet. They are like, if anyone who has a long-haired dog knows, it's ridiculous. How is this something that dogs have just evolved to have oh, long-haired dogs like in the wild surely that's not great anyway okay abby we first of all i name drop you all the time on the podcast particularly on the this week in tech history episodes because i'm like oh abby abby says this abby says that and um i realize that if somebody isn't like a voracious listener of the frontier podcast and has listened back to your staff interviews they might not know who you are. So this is Abby, you guys. Abby's our content yeah. manager. <laughs> She's the the mastermind behind literally everything we do from a content perspective. So this is this is Abby. So it was fun to like write an episode I knew I was gonna be on. I know. Yeah, this is gonna be good. We should probably put some kind of disclaimer at the top of episodes, like we're not historians, and a lot of what we say is probably incorrect. So just Bring your sense of humor, guys. Bring it along for the ride, which is probably required for today because today's historical event is Jack Dorsey sending the first tweet. Yes. This happened in 2006, March 21st, in fact. So Jack Dorsey was a member of the team behind Odia, which employed tools and enabled users to create, record, and share podcasts with a simple Adobe Flash-based interface. Do you know if Odia still exists? It doesn't. Great. Figured not, but whatever. But Jack Dorsey was working on a little side project. So that his idea was to share sor- short messages with a group of people via SMS. And Jack was the primary designer of the project. The codename was very classic for early 2000s, <laughs> Twitter with no vowels. Oh, man. who? Someone on Lenny's podcast was like, you can tell, I think it was April Dumford, actually. She's like, you can tell the era that a company was named based on the naming trend they followed. Uh, and this is spot on early 2000s, no vowel, vowels. So yes. that's code name. 
The first official tweet that he sent, again, this was on March 21st, 2006, was sent at 9.50 a.m. denoting that he was just setting up my Twitter with no vowels. The public release followed in July and saw Twitter spin off into its own company, which found its first major success and buy-in at the 2007 edition of South by Southwest. Just a kingmaker, that conference. Right? Like, I feel like that was just like a symbol of like everything that was happening that time in tech where they were like, yes, the place to do this is South by Southwest. Yes. There is a new service and supposedly it is the next big thing. It's a name you can't forget. It's called Twitter. So what makes Twitter so different? Dana, it's an incredibly strange thing. There's a series of questions that are generated by this. And the first is, is it possible that making a cell phone call could soon become a thing of the past? And is it possible that the ever popular MySpace, even blogging, are slowly being eaten by this thing called a Twitter, where you're about to learn what a Twitter is, and you're also about to learn how it's slowly worming its way into a presidential campaign? It's stupid and lame and small. Yet master blogger Robert Scoble can't keep his fingertips off. Obviously today, Twitter needs no introduction. It is ubiquitous and it's used for everything from sharing videos of an angry emu named Emmanuel Todd Lopez. I didn't pre-read that part, Abby. That's funny. <laughs> it's a large-scale organization for uprising against nefarious government entities. True. And while it's going through a bit of a time right now, it's clear that any platform that hopes to overtake it has a lot of catching up to do. Speaking of lately, let's not forget that in 2021, crypto entrepreneur Sinan Stavi bought Twitter founder Jack Dorsey's first ever tweet as an NFT for $2.9 million. I did forget that, actually. <laughs> Turns out well, NFTs don't have... <laughs> they don't have quite the same weight behind them as originally thought. And when he tried to sell it for $48 million just a year later, damn... The top bid was $280. What? Yeah. Oh, oh. boy. I should have bought it. I know. Damn. Sounds like Elon could have gotten a great deal on it. L-O-L. That's gold, Abby. Okay. Let's get into <laughs> I it. Help it. <laughs> I help it. Abby, what was the first tweet you ever sent? So I had Twitter forever. I'm like a very much a lurker. Hmm. The first tweet I ever sent was actually at a CSS dev conference in New Orleans in like 2017. Because everyone was using it to like, people were like, oh, where are we meeting up after the conference? And they were like, I'll put it on Twitter. It's like, that's mm. certainly interesting. Yeah. I mean, that was like right after I started doing software development. So I saw like a ton of things to learn about like the, the culture of it. But everybody was using Twitter to communicate. So my first tweet was at a dev conference. That's a total thing. I'm pretty sure I've had several handles on Twitter. I had like college faith handle where I was just like sending out fire tweet after fire tweet. (laughs) Just funny as hell, making observations about life of a a kid in a liberal arts school in upstate New York. That Twitter has died long ago. I then got a Twitter to use when I moved to Nashville. I moved here for Teach for America. So I was teaching eighth graders. And part of like our teacher training was like, you should use Twitter in your classroom. So I had like a Miss Benson's class Twitter. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure my first tweet from what was supposed to be my like professional teaching Twitter 
was just tweeting at a ice cream, like a gelato store in Nashville, asking them if they were open. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I ended up working in tech. Clearly, I could have just Googled it, but um, needless to say, that went unanswered. You're like, let's ask on Twitter. Maybe that way someone will just send me the answer. I have to do no further work. Precisely. Yes. Because naturally the person scooping the ice cream is also the person running their social media. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't get a response. And I was like, Twitter doesn't work. Um, So I took a long hiatus and then obviously got back to it with, with gun. Um, Good memory. So I think every, it's kind of like Facebook where like everybody's experienced seasons of adoption or lack thereof. Yeah. I always forget that it's been a long around for so long too, because I feel like the platform itself has had a lot of seasons in terms of purpose and how people use it. Absolutely. I went through like my, my longest season appears to be just retweeting a bunch of stuff. Same. And then Same. I, would, like, it was... <laughs> I found out very quickly that like arguing in the Twitter sphere is not something I should do because I get mm. too angry at people. I'm like, why don't they understand? Well, it's the internet. Mm -hmm. Nobody needs to understand. Yeah. I too had a season of, of being a retweet queen and it usually corresponds with like the level of apathy or lack thereof I have towards politics. And when I'm not apathetic, I am very fired up. And so you'll (laughs) see spikes in my Twitter usage when I like wake up a little bit every couple of years or so. Yeah. I feel like, Obviously, over the last few months, Twitter has been dominating the news cycle, but I feel like it's kind of always been a thing. Like, oh, this is happening on Twitter. I saw this on Twitter. What are some of the most memorable Twitter news cycle moments that come to mind for you? My favorite most recent one is uh, like after Elon Musk bought Twitter and you could get verified, you get your blue check Mm. and someone from, was it Eli Lilly? Yeah. Someone pretended to be a, pharm- a pharmaceutical company and said that insulin was free. And yeah, the end result is that they just announced that they're capping it at $35, which they should have anyway. Right. To me, it was just like, oh, that was, that was real chaotic good. <sighs> yeah. I feel like there's so many phrases in my daily vernacular that there's so many layers of abstraction now But if I really dig into like, why do I say this? Like, where does this phrase come from? It's either from the movie Bridesmaids or it's from from Twitter. I was thinking of one. I mean, I probably said it yesterday, which is delete your account, which is like, (laughs) just go home. We're done here. Like, come on, you've lost. And we all know who tweeted delete your account. Uh, just like any time, I think that there has been either like a, a brand or a public figure who just throws caution to the wind and uses Twitter like a 13 year old has been my favorite. You know who I follow that is so random and I love? Do you remember the band Eve Six? Yes. Fire Twitter account. <laughs> What? So sarcastic, so like self-deprecating at times, like highly recommend it. Interesting. Okay. That's my other favorite thing is like people who are low-key good on Twitter. Yeah. That you would never expect. It's like, have you followed 
you know, this random actor's daughter's dog walker because, you know, they're Twitter famous. It's like, no, of course I don't, but <laughs> I got, I'll add it to my diet. There's another one that I like. I can't remember the name of the account, but it's, um, it's this Sikh guy who lives like really far up in Northern Canada where it's just mm-hmm. like cold and snowy all the time. And he dances. Oh, my God. So he, like, goes outside and does all these, like, traditional Sikh dances in the snow. And it's just, like, filled to the brim with joy. Like, it's <laughs> so... You could, have, you could be having a bad day and watch this guy dance. And it's just, like, look at this. He's just so happy. It's interesting because I feel like we were hacking our way... We were using Twitter to hack so many things that now exist, right? Like, like that guy that you're describing, probably the platform for him is TikTok, right? But I I love that Twitter was just, it was what's available. Yeah. When I think about the place that Twitter has had in our historical narrative since its founding, obviously the Arab Spring happened in 2012. And that was what, how many years after the first tweet was sent? Six years. And since then, we've seen Twitter be used, you know, for a whole slew of political movements and social movements. Yeah. Could that have happened on any other platform? Like we had Facebook, we had Instagram, we had Yelp or like Foursquare. I feel like the um, the basis of those was around like sharing whole stories mm. or like like the basis of Facebook is like you're sharing a story about something that's happening to you or you're initiating a longer conversation where people have the space to um, have the space to comment and go back and forth with like larger chunks of information. Instagram Mm -hmm. is about like sharing this picture of a moment in time. And Twitter is like, Twitter is what is this instant? It's what's happening now. Yeah. (laughs) I should use that as a tagline. (laughs) Yeah, the life cycle of a tweet is so short because there are so many of them, and you, you know, up until I can't remember what year it was, but it was a lot longer ago than I thought. Like it might have been like 2007 that they changed the character count from from 140 to 280. Oh, I feel like it was 140 forever. I'd be very surprised if it was 2007, but I thought so too. Regardless, it gives you it gives you a limited amount of space. It really forces people to condense thoughts, to use their words very carefully, which I don't think you see in other social media platforms. Mm, yeah. I think that's kind of the power. I won't pretend to know any of the intricacies of the algorithms on various social platforms, but I think what's interesting about Twitter, at least what I used to see on my timeline was actually very little of people that I actually followed because I didn't really follow people on Twitter. Um, And I feel like the perspective available, just like scrolling a Twitter timeline was very different than what you could get on like a, a Facebook or an Instagram. And I think that served political and social movements that were kind of born on Twitter really well you know yeah i find a lot of stuff because it's something that someone i do follow has liked mm-hmm. you know there's good and bad to that where uh part of it is like if you're looking 
if you're looking down the same silos, then you're kind of reinforcing what you already thought by continuing to read things that agree with that point. But you can also follow accounts that, like, I'm specifically thinking of, like, the Lincoln Project, you know, where Mm -hmm. it is a Republican-based organization, but they follow and share things from accounts that are Republican, that are kind of, like, right-leaning. And Mm -hmm. to see that, like, I've I don't think I need to tell anybody that I'm left-leaning. I feel like it's... it's <laughs> if you're listening straight. to the audio version, yeah. hop over to YouTube. <laughs> I have hot pink hair with like a neon green side rat tail. <laughs> you know, it's it still allows you to kind of start diving into that and say, you know, what is happening on the other side of this conversation? And um, there's never... There's never a lack of information out there if you choose to seek it, mm-hmm. especially somewhere like Twitter. Everyone has an opinion on Twitter. It's very true. I mean, obviously, obviously, the the story for the last few months has been like, hashtag goodbye Twitter. We're moving off Twitter. Uh, there's been some drama llama that we do not need to elaborate on because surely everyone listening has read probably more than their fair share yeah. about it. But what's interesting is you know, there's plenty of platforms that are kind of vying to be the preferred Twitter alternative, but it's not evident yet who the front runner is going to be. And Twitter's still busy. There is people still be tweeting. People still be tweeting. And I almost feel like the the drama rama that's been surrounding it has been kind of fueling that where it's like, okay, well, where else are you going to find the most up-to-date information about what is happening with this product yes. than right on the product. Yeah. Everybody likes to be in the thick of the, uh, the drama, but what would it take if somebody's going to replace Twitter? What needs to be true about the platform? Does it just have to be like a control C control V of Twitter? How do you replace Twitter? I don't know. I'm trying, yeah, I mean, I'm trying I to think, think of like, I'm trying to think of like a, a recent um, social platform where it's like, like, how did Snapchat become Snapchat when there were technically other options? You know, mm-hmm. like Instagram shorts and Vine and. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. RIP Vine. Snapchat became something bigger than all of this. That doesn't make any sense to me. And we're going to need another episode so I can figure that out. But I think the thing about Twitter is, at least in my 2023 perspective, is the algorithm and the chance of virality is, for me, the thing that's sticky. Because I love seeing just like a random funny tweet from some person who has like 10 followers and just like had a tweet blow up, Yeah, you know? And it's the same reason why TikTok is so addicting. Because I mean, depending on your algorithm, maybe your algorithm is really like sad and a bummer. My algorithm is the (laughs) happiest place in the world. It is like just random, hilarious, joyful videos. And I love it. Yeah. But there are people that I do not know and will never know in my real life. And there are also people who are not like verified. I don't know, comics. They are just random people. And they're just random people with a TikTok account who did something funny and it hit. Exactly. Yeah. And somehow like people were able to see it and the algorithm drove that engagement. And anyway, all that to say, I think like the feature that would have to be replicated is that piece. Like how, how can me 
little Faith Benson in Nashville, Tennessee with, you know, a kind of boring tech job, like (laughs) find a random tweet from this girl in Nebraska who, you know, said something funny about her coffee maker this morning. Um, I think that's the thing. That's the thing that's like sticky for at least people like me. Yeah. Because if you look at like, I don't think that there is inherently anything um, worse about something like Mastodon, but it's like the way that Mastodon is set up is so that you're engaging in a particular space about a particular shared set of whatever. Maybe it's tech, Mm. maybe it's cats, but you can likely only go as viral as like that space allows for. Right, right, which which is very different than kind of a, a random but delightful selection of of random tweets that at least I used to get. These days, my algorithm sucks. So uh, my algorithm has had some stuff come up lately that I'm like, why would you think I want to read that? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It feels whatever. It is what it is. I'm yeah. sure everybody can probably agree, but. Well, I'm interested to see what happens in this space this year. I can't say that I'm terribly in need of yet another social media platform that inevitably I will use and then discard. I feel too old to adopt. Yeah, it's that. And it's also like, I want to figure out how to help people spend less time on screens and I want to spend less time on screens. So it just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel like an exciting problem space to me in the way that it did 10 or 15 years ago when we were connecting the world and we were fueling yeah. important social movements. It just, it feels different now. Um, so we'll see. And Abby. I think like how many, how many things came out of, you know, that era of tech too, that, or so like, you know, novel, new, exciting. Mm-hmm. Look how we can connect the world. And now we're like, <laughs> we, we connected no the world and there's a lot of scary things happening out there. I'm just going to go meet my neighbors, I think. <laughs> I think I can scratch that yeah. community edge just fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see, you know. I am, I am interested to see where it goes over the next year. Yeah. Especially given all the change that's happened in the last couple of years same um okay the first thing i'm gonna do when we hang up is go see how much this nft is selling for now because i feel like we have to buy it <laughs> at least you know i think that's a good pr move for sure it's great i'll ask Tasia if we can put it on the bricks thanks for listening to the frontier podcast powered by gun.io we drop two episodes per week so if you like this episode be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends if you have questions or recommendations just shoot us a twitter dm at the frontier pod and we'll see you next week to imagine they get very mad at uh he doesn't i mean in the wild weirdly in the wild yes for sure we had a we had a little dog who was uh he was mostly hairless when we first adopted him and it turns out that he was like some sort of very hairy dog no so like he had he had he was eight pounds and had hair that was like this long yikes so it would get caught and everything because he was just a gross little animal All right.
I feel guilty. I feel adequately guilty enough to go ahead and spend my quarterly hundred dollars on my dog's haircut <laughs> when I spend yes. like thirty dollars on my own haircut once yeah. a year. <laughs> Probably. What is this dog barking about? You probably have a squirrel in your yard. You should really take care of that. They're dangerous. That's that's Elliot's job. She's the mm. squirrel hunter. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.